What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. My guest today is Mary Beth Ferrante. She is founder and CEO of Work360, a senior contributor to Forbes. We are so excited to have her today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Whitney. I'm excited to be here. So today we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, of course, which is working moms, working women, and really trying to affect change in culture for moms. I talk a lot about in the individual home, what moms can do. We're going to talk today about kind of culture, policy, the work you do at Work360. And before we get into that, because I want to talk tactical solutions and not just talk about the problem, but what can we actually do about it? I know you do too. I want to hear about your own experience and what made you so passionate about this work you talk about hitting a maternal wall. So I want to hear about that because that sounds very part and parcel to what I experienced too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for that introduction. And and I definitely agree. I think we need to be talking about solutions. We all know there's a problem. There's been a problem for decades. And for my experience, you know, what really threw me into this was of course, becoming a mother. I think I had I just remember so clearly, like sitting in a classroom, my senior year of college, it was, you know, a women's and leadership course. And I'm going to age myself here, but it was 2005, right? So I was feeling like this empowerment of I'm going to be, you know, an extremely senior leader in an organization. And there was just so much kind of momentum and kind of vision of what I have for my life. And I've been surrounded by working moms, my growing up as well. My mom was a teacher. My sister is very invested in her career and she's a a few years older than me. You know, my cousins, my aunt had her own business. Like, so I've always had this like really incredible um, kind of support system around me. But when I became a mom, I realized that, you know, corporate America is a lot of speak and Mm -hmm. not a lot of action. And I think you don't really recognize um, the bias until you feel it. And I think you also have this this kind of momentum too in, in corporate where 
at least for me, I was taught to put my head down, to work really hard. That's how I would be, you know, rewarded. And, and you just give and you always say yes. And you always say yes. And you suddenly are also thrust into a position where you can't actually always say yes. And so you're going through this kind of like identity crisis as a working professional. And then you're also wondering, okay, is this happening in my head? Is it real? Like, are people not giving me great projects anymore? Am I being like kind of retaliated against? Am I not getting that promotion? But there's this mixed bag of like, is it actually happening or is it in my head? And I think the reality is it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it totally is. And I think what you're talking about, 2005, 2004, that is a moment too, right? Where I remember I'm, I'm, we're about the same age. I mean, I was also graduating from college and feeling like the world is at my feet. I could do anything I want to do. No one can stop me. But the thing I have to do is work my nails to the bone, work my fingers to the bone. And as long as I do that, I'll be okay. And then it's like, you have kids and you're like, I, wait, I can't do that. And also, I don't know that I actually should have to do that. And I think that's the thing, right? We we came up, I think, our, our micro generation of geriatric millennials, which is a term that just really throws me into <laughs> a frenzy. But, you know, I think those of us that are older millennials, maybe young Gen Xers, you know, we really grew our careers during this kind of work hard, play hard, everything at the table, like throw yourself into your work. Your work should be your passion and all of these things and on the incentives in a lot of the big tech firms, you know, they, they give you these tools to make it easy to work all the time. Right. But the thing there is that we're now learning, especially out of this pandemic, I think one of the biggest silver linings is not only the fact that people are working from home and doing it successfully, but that we are reaching burnout. And and I know that that seems like a negative, but I think it has really rose the problem to a different level and has exposed that this overwork premium and this just kind of go, go, go until you can't anymore is not sustainable and it's not healthy. And to be honest, it's not productive for companies. And eventually it is going to turn into a monetary concern for them as well. Right. Exactly. People always ask me about kind of this return on investment on investing in whole person wellness and, and, and caring and having a culture that cares about people, which I know you talk about all the time. And I'm thinking like, isn't that obvious that people who are stressed out have problems? But I think it's because I come from the medical world where we see doctors die by suicide because they're working themselves to the bone. We see medical problems and medical errors because people aren't actually able to be whole people. So it's intuitive, I think, to me. But I grew up in the Bay Area and around Google, I mean, like down the street yeah. from Google. And so I remember a lot of friends who went to work for Google talking about like, yep, they got a dry cleaner on campus. Yep. So that way I don't have to leave. Yeah, you never have to leave. And they give you a bus with Wi-Fi so that you can start working as soon as you get on the bus and go, you know, to Mountain View or whatever. So it has become this kind of all-encompassing, I think, um, this world around work and, and really glorifying work in a different way. And, you know, there's some um, psychologists that call it workism. And I think that's a really important term because 
yes, you should care about your job and your employer should care about your well-being because you are an incredible asset to them, right? One of the most important assets to their business. But we also need to make sure that we are creating space for people to do things outside of work. And by the way, all of the research shows that you become more productive, you're more creative, you're better problem solver, you are usually even more focused at work, right? So there's a, there is an upside and there is that return on investment and we can find all the studies and we can quote all the research, but at the end of the day, it's also about like just creating a space where people feel like they can actually do great work and fulfill other parts of their lives, which I think has been lost a little bit in the last um, decade or two. Yeah, no, I don't think that's an understatement. I think that's absolutely true. And I agree with you that, of course, for some people, there were absolutely no silver, silver linings to the pandemic, but that for people in corporate culture, this was a breather in some ways. And the families that I see in clinic, that's true for them. I saw more togetherness. They seemed happier. Like it just seemed like this ability to have a little bit better, I hate the word balance, but a little bit better uh, integration of their work and their home lives seemed to be there. Okay. So you decided for yourself personally and for other people in general, and specifically for women as well, that you wanted to make it different. So then what are the solutions globally that we need to be making, like policy change, advocacy wise, what do we need to be doing? And then what do you do specifically within Work360 to make that happen? Absolutely. And so I want to um, take that one step back, which is when I initially launched into this work, I thought we had to fix the moms, support the moms, give the moms all the resources, right? Because I felt unsupported, which I was, and I felt like I didn't have the resources. And I think that that is still incredibly important. However, I have realized in this work that what we were doing in the beginning is we were just coaching women into out of their organization. We were coaching them out of a bad manager situation. We were coaching them into something that they were more excited about. And so what we realized is it's really about the manager, the leader, the policy, the executive leadership, right? So those pieces are what are going to actually change the culture. And yes, we need to still support individuals. And yes, we need to have wraparound services and all of those benefits. But we also need to really think about how do we actually educate and, and influence change throughout the organization. And that has to come from the leadership, and more importantly, from the managers who are leading those teams. So that's what we focus on now. Um, when it comes to policy, you know, I think we are in probably the best place that we can be for hopefully getting some sort of national paid family leave across the line in the next, hopefully, year and a half. Please, before, Lord, <laughs> crossing my fingers. <laughs> You're absolutely the closest we've been. I think having a national paid family leave policy is critical mm -hmm. because it allows for more stability across companies. It allows you to be able to move. I always think it's fascinating that the healthcare industry has one of the worst kind of track records around this because you would think that because all of the medical research shows that women and particularly birthing parents need, you know, ideally 20 weeks to recover, to bond, to be with their babies, that that would be a different aspect. Uh, I actually heard a commercial like on the radio, not well, 
a podcast actually. And it was uh, a company that was, it was Amazon. Amazon was, had a commercial saying, Hey, and we offer six weeks paid leave for families. And I was like, that is crazy that that is like a commercial that is supposed to inspire people to apply for this job. Mm -hmm. And that is the state of our country. We only have about 20% of, of US America of US employees have access to paid leave right now. Those that do still don't have necessarily enough. So when we think about kind of federal policy, it does have to be equal, adequate, accessible. We need to think about just, you know, birthing parents, non-birthing parents. We need to think about caretaking as a journey. It's not just about a new baby or an adopted yeah. child. It's, you know, being able to care for yourself and for your your elder parents and for your sick kid and all of those things. So that is definitely a push that is happening. Um, I would honestly love to also see some, some changes around childcare starting to happen in, from a tax credit perspective, but you know more tangible benefits where people really feel like they can access, access affordable care. So those are huge pieces that I truly believe are part of infrastructure. I think as a working mom, it's hard not to think about that as infrastructure because I need it to be able to do my work, right? I need care. I need support. But I think the other piece of this is that companies actually have a lot of power and, and we as individuals actually have a lot of power to change kind of the culture as well. And so it's not just that these things have to pass. It's that we also have to start just shifting the way that we speak about care in the workplace. So Part of the silver lining, right, I said about kind of raising awareness around burnout and mental health and kind of all of these big topics is we also, you know, started to realize that care matters, uh, that it is important for people to have caregivers in their lives and have support around that to be able to do their jobs well. And we had kids popping up in the back of Zoom and we had yep. women leaving the workforce because they didn't have access to care, right? So we saw the direct correlation. And I think that that has been really beneficial in kind of changing the conversation. And so what I really want every single person who's listening to take away is to keep talking, to parent out loud, to not go back to this idea that we have to, you know, excuse our, our personal lives and our caregiving responsibilities and say that, oh, we just have to run out for a doctor's appointment when it is, in fact, your child's doctor's appointment or their game or the fact that it's Friday and you want to go get them ice cream, like whatever yeah. it is. I think we need to just continue to talk about it so that we aren't kind of going back into this idea of like separating or, or keeping our, our parenting responsibilities secret. Yeah. Um, I was doing a webinar, a live webinar for Gerber the other day, and we were talking about nutrition to their little village that they have. And, and yeah. we were just talking about basic things and it was, but it was, you know, a professional event where I was looking nice and had makeup on. We we're talking about that, how we both avoid doing that as much as possible. And so yeah. I'm there and I'm presenting and my daughter, it was a day I did not have care for her. And she comes into the room and she's screaming because she can't get the Disney princess karaoke to work, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So she's, like, she's like, yeah. So she's like screaming her head off. She's four. And, um, and it's in the middle of the presentation. I'm talking. And so I'm like muting it and like pushing her away with my hand. And I decided, you know, I have a choice. I can pretend like it never happened and hope that they don't, you know, they thought it was a dog or something, which I know they didn't, but I'm like ashamed, you know, or I can address it head on. So 
later on in the webinar, you know, I got her situated. I put it on mute, said, hold on just a second. And then I came back to like, you know, and chaos happens. Like your kid can walk in and demand a show, right? When you're giving a professional presentation. And I really do think that is the crux of this in terms of the pieces that we can take some responsibility for or the week where we can move it forward is that showing up and deciding, you know, my personal life, like I'm worthy of having a personal life and of yeah. my personal life being respected and of that not meaning that I'm a lifestyle professional that doesn't right. give it all or that doesn't care and that I don't have to kind of play by like the old boys club rules. I think um, your point about why in healthcare is it so hard? It's because really, truly, it's an old boys club still where it's like, nope, you keep on working, you know? Right. And because they haven't had to make that shift. And so I think that's why there's so much tied to motherhood and leadership because it hasn't, um, we haven't had enough women yet at the top talking about it and influencing it. It's why we don't have paid leave, right? Because from a policy perspective, who are the people setting policy in the U.S. right now? Not a lot of mothers, right. let's put it that way. There, yeah. there is, there, there's a coalition growing, but it's not, you yeah. know, it hasn't been significant. And so, you know, I think what we can all do as individuals is commit to being that that person who's going to continue the conversation, who's going to set and model examples for our own teams, for ourselves, to hold our own boundaries, um, and to continue to kind of drive that conversation. And it can grow bigger from there, right? Mm-hmm. I think you know, start with that one thing where you're just going to commit to parenting out loud, but then also talk to a colleague, talk to a dad on your team and ask him to join you in parenting out loud at work. You know, think about how you can then say, all right, what are the things that we actually want to influence? Um, you know, as we're growing our families and growing our careers, I think it's it's easy to just kind of fall back into work and fall back into kind of the the old boys club and and feel like, oh, you know, especially as our kids get older, they still have a lot of needs, but it's maybe not that like running in and, you know, demanding a show or a snack or whatever in the middle of your presentation. Hopefully, not always, but hopefully your 10-year-old can respect a closed door. (laughs) But it's making sure that we don't forget those things and that we continue to understand that families need support at all stages and that as their kids grow older, they may need to be more available to to their children instead of less available. And so just recognizing that that is a growing process and then thinking about, okay, I know I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to talk to one friend. We're going to think about this too, but then, and we're going to commit to kind of holding boundaries for ourselves and talking about it with our teams, but then to take that next step to really influence your company culture is to then say, all right, what is it that I actually want to see different, right? How can I share my voice with either my manager Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's someone who is in your HR leadership team. Um, you know, who do you need to network with, essentially, that can become an ally to this, uh, to understanding kind of why this is important and what are the things that actually need to change? So is it that you're looking to actually expand parental leave? Is it that you want non-birthing parents to have equal leave to birthing parents, right? You know, think very strategically about what it is that you're looking to do and then look at how you can get a group to kind of come together to do it together. Because there isn't, um, 
there's more power, right? When you have when you have a voice of people. It is time to run, not walk, to your bookstore or have your fingers do whatever is the equivalent of running to the Amazon store, to online, to purchase our new book. It's called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. It is a labor of love. I'm so excited to deliver this book baby to you and to help you really feel like you are winning at parenting without losing yourself, mama. If you want to also check it out at the library it's there borrow it from a friend however i just want you to get this solid information so you can start thriving not just surviving in motherhood yeah and i know that you do work at work 360 also to support employee resource groups in that way and diversity equity inclusion groups um, so all of those groups that are also then can help you to be a stronger force, right. Um, Absolutely. as you're trying to work on this so that you are alone, because I, I can totally understand that for, for individual employees at organizations, big or small, that to be the one person that raises your hand and say, no, I want culture change. That's very difficult, but in a group, it's, it's easier. Exactly. And, and I think you have to be in a position where you feel safe to do, do so. And I think the other thing to recognize is that, especially when we're talking about mothers and new moms in particular, those are the people that are exhausted, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's all remember when we were back at work with an eight-week old, like not a great time, or are you having the capacity to really invest in a significant change in your company? So, you know, give yourself the power to say like, hey, I'm going to do this for someone else. Like maybe it didn't work out as well as I had hoped, but I want to make that change for the next person and the next person and for my kids eventually. I think that's the thing that really keeps me going with all of this is, I mean, I'm I'm done having children. I love my children, but I am done. So like paid leave is fantastic. I'm not going to use it for having another child, but I want to make sure that like my girls have that, that that's not a a question. So I think being really thoughtful about like, yes, how is it going to impact me? But how do I also want to make it better for the woman behind me? How can I kind of reach that next level down and pull them up with me? Yes. And I agree with you. That comes into play also with parenting equity conversations that of course I want it to be that there's more equity with my partner and that we share responsibilities and that we're team members in our household. But my major motivation is looking at my girls and thinking, I want my kids to not even have to have a question about that. I don't want them to have the same conversations I'm having. I want them to be thinking about something that's way more complicated than that, you know? And it might not happen for them. It might happen for their kids after that. But that always is my motivation is thinking about, you're right, the women that come after me after I've had my babies or my own kids when they grow older. Yeah. And and I think that is such a huge driver for all of us. You know, we can, culture change is hard. It's really hard. It It, it is turning the Titanic, right? It's not going to happen overnight. And it does require kind of consistent work at it. And it is, I think, at the individual level, at the family level, right? Having those negotiations with our partners and figuring out how we're going to change things, you know, so that our kids see something different. Um, But also, how are we going to lead our own teams as we grow in our careers? And how are we going to continue to influence? And so I think it becomes overwhelming 
when you think about these big changes, because it feels like I don't have the time or I don't have the space or how am I really going to enact any change? But in reality, we are all making steps in all of these little things that we're doing in every conversation that we're having, every time we support another mom, every time we have a conversation with our spouse or our partner, every time we're changing um, the way that we're raising our kids, you know, based on kind of what we want for them. So I think it's really important to recognize the small moments and, and take pride in them too, that we are all doing this work every single day. Mm-hmm. Now for moms, I want to take it a step further. And they want to get involved with what Work360 is doing. Tell me more about the virtual workshops, about the micro on-demand courses that you have, the professional coaches. I mean, you have this wealth of resources for moms, which I love it, which again, are like super tactical ways they can approach this. We really, we really believe in giving as many resources directly to working parents and working Um, moms and dads as possible. So if you go on to WRK, we had to drop the O to be cool, right? So (laughs) WRK360.com slash resources, you'll find a ton of articles, guides, downloadables. But then we also have on our website, our working parent programs, and they are five to eight minute videos because I know that you don't have time. So they're very quick. And they're very specific. So they really go from everything from planning for maternity and paternity leave through kind of return to work. And then really thinking about how am I going to sustain a career and a family? And what are my goals, both personally and professionally? And how do I put them all together? And how do I include my spouse or my partner's goals in those two? And so being really strategic about kind of how you're growing both at the same time. And so we really want to break it down so that you have that at your fingertips. And so check that out. It's definitely an easy way to get resources. And then from a corporate perspective, you know, what we do is, is really we spend about 70% of our time in advising um, organizations. And we actually go in and we do a lot of kind of just inquiry and listening and focus groups to really understand what's happening inside an organization. Mm-hmm where are the challenges? And then we, our backgrounds, both myself and my partner, Allie, our backgrounds are in change management and strategy. So we take a really kind of process-oriented approach to culture and then work with them, um, work with those teams on kind of co-creating changes and then actually supporting that execution. So that's kind of the majority of the time that we spend. But then we also have about, you know, 10 to 15% that we do corporate workshops on Um, you know, everything from, we have some organizations where we go in like once a quarter and we talk about planning for leave, returning to work and just really tangible things um, in kind of a group setting. We also have workshops on like leadership, resilience, and then we are doing a lot more work now with managers around supporting kind of the transition back into what we believe is the next phase of work we're not really at the future of work. We don't know what the future look, what really looks like, right? Like there's a lot to be figured out. I mean, Airbnb just like launched a whole initiative about work from anywhere and rent a house for six weeks. And, you know, so I think there's still a lot to be figured out, but what we want to do is help managers be able to be the best leaders through that, to be more empathetic, to, to really kind of grow and upskill on like coaching and empathetic leadership and just really being a better um, connector to their employee because 
especially for those of us that stay remote, it can be really isolating. And so the managers and the people leaders, and especially any of you leading a team, you're the ones that are championing culture and you're the ones that are championing change. So I think it's really important that we kind of focus on those that people leadership aspect. Oh, I love it. Okay, you're my favorite person because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're putting it all into action, which I love, right? We can give people the resources, we can teach them mindset, we can talk about priorities, but then we have to do the work, you know, in our yeah. own individual businesses, if we're managers, if we're leaders, or if we're employees. So this is amazing. You guys, it's work, W-R-K. 360.com. We'll put it all in the show notes. Mary Beth, thank you so, so much for being here. You guys go check it out, run, don't walk. So that way you can get more resources and support. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. Hey mama, if you want more of the modern mommy dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag modern mommy doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.